you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. So, if you're wondering why this one popped up so late in the day and where have you been, uh, I live in Wisconsin. I think I've mentioned that before on the phone. I was one of the many people who went uh, about, for me, about 41 hours without electricity. I am recording this one on my phone as I'm driving back from a work training. Uh, So I also apologize if the quality is a little down. I just wanted to try to get an episode out for Thursday, and this is one way I could assuredly do that. Uh, If you're wondering how this is going to reflect on the show, I am going to record later today as well. So if you're like, hey, it's a late show, I wonder if this is about the Justin Bieber hopefully pitching a bullpen. No, we'll talk about Bieber and Savali's schedules uh, for the second show uh, today that I record, which will be Friday. Uh, We'll also talk about the weekend series. We will talk about the game tonight. But we have this time now to talk about some of the dings, dings up. Uh, nope. Some of the injuries, people getting dinged up, and also to discuss the last two games for Cleveland versus Oakland. Uh, maybe not something that everyone wants to talk about, but it's still worth the time. So let's talk about it. It was again interesting to me, and I kind of ranted about it on Twitter that there's so many people who are upset because Harold Ramirez twisted his knee and that Harold Ramirez is this great find. Bradley Zimmer has been better than Harold Ramirez offensively and defensively all year. I I still don't understand. Yeah, he hits the ball hard. And good things can come of it, but he has no secondary skill outside of that one because he can't defend. Like He is a well below average defender. And I'm still, my mind is boggled. Like To me, Harold Ramirez is a DFA candidate. Uh, He does some nice things. And yes, there was a time where I was like, man, maybe they found something. But Harold Ramirez has regressed since then. He has become, you know, the player he always was. You know, I got excited because, oh, maybe the Indians figured something out here. But something the Indians have always been bad at, honestly, is launch angle. No one, no one comes to Cleveland and, and joins in the launch angle revolution. Uh, you know, Yandy Diaz had issues with his launch angle. And then when he left Cleveland, it improved. Uh, I was trying to think of the other example, like Eric Haas's improved a bit I believe once he went to Detroit for whatever reason that's not a specialty of Cleveland they pitch more contact or they pitch no they preach more about hitting the contact than to hitting for power Uh, so in this case Harold Ramirez yeah he's got he hits the ball really hard but it's rarely going out of the park he he runs really well I'm sorry there's two skills but he's a really bad defender he's a below average defender to well below average he does not walk. He does not strike out either, in fairness. But he does not walk. He does not provide power. And he's a bad defender. I, I'd much rather run, personally, with Zimmer and Daniel Johnson, Oscar Mercado, than Harold Ramirez. That is my take. I know there are... And, and again, it is funny. The people who dislike Bradley Zimmer the most, who I see the most Bradley Zimmer negativity on are the same ones who are the biggest fans of Harold Ramirez. So maybe it's just a difference in approach. Maybe it's just how they view things. 
but I mean, even all things in a vacuum, I feel like the player with the higher ceiling is Zimmer because at least before his injuries, this is a guy who looked like a plus power, plus defender in the outfield, and he's still exhibiting plus defensive abilities. And as we've talked about on the show, his power numbers have increased. So I just wanted to spend some time. Harold Ramirez's knee is, he was taken out of the game last night with a knee injury. Nick Sandlin has a shoulder issue. Uh, Really, you know, bad performance for him, unfortunately. But he also left uh, the game. So that's two players down due to injuries for the Cleveland Indians. Now let's talk about these games. Does everyone remember back to when uh, this team was being carried along by its bullpen in May? Doesn't that seem like eons ago? Both these games, the bullpen gave up. Uh, There's no nice way to put it. Uh, central players, players of importance to the Indians, uh, continue to struggle. James Karinchak. I see a lot of people now being like, why didn't they trade him? He has been horrible. Why did they not trade Karinchak? Plain and simply, every other team knew the story there. Everyone knew that he was uh, taking advantage of things due to spin rate. It's not like the Indians... This isn't the, the... 80s, even the 90s. This isn't a time where you can sit back and hide some important data. Everybody has all of that game data. They see the spin rate drop. They know that he was using foreign substances. You can look at his minor league developmental curve to see when it occurred. I mean, I was down there in the minors when his stuff took that leap. It was like, okay, his stuff's always been good. Now it's like potentially the best reliever in baseball good. Uh, Again, he has a chance to be a reliever, but he's not. He's back to where he was pre that leap. Uh, he's back to like, okay, so he could be more like a six, seven inning guy. There's going to be some ups and downs with control. Uh, he also is someone who can be very fixated and stuck in his ways. And I think I've told the story many times. He's a guy where I remember him getting mad because he didn't get to throw the right number of pitches before being called into a game in double A because he had a very specific amount he had to throw. Uh, That behavior can be amazing for a pitcher because it means that you are very much like, okay, I follow, I follow through, I do all the parts and pieces I need. Uh, You know, it, it helps keep a player from their mechanics and delivery getting a little out of whack. Uh, kind of flying open on their pitches, but it can also lead to some rigidities that lead to further issues. Karen Chalk, right now, I don't see any world where you really look at him as a closer anymore. I, I just can't. Maybe he can get it back together and the like, but I wouldn't be surprised if his trade value at the deadline was not much higher than Maton's, because right now Maton has better spin rates. You know, Maton has some interesting data in terms of his pitches. Where Karinchok, things are regressing, and he has been an entirely different guy. So him, him blowing the game on Tuesday was, you know, unfortunately it, it shouldn't be a surprise for anyone right now with all the times that he has struggled as a starter. It's just more unfortunate that McKenzie with another really strong start. Six innings, five strikeouts. The important one to me here, one walk. That's what we want to see from McKenzie. Allows just two earned runs. Uh, Sean comes out, can't have a clean inning, but hey, he still pitched well. I'm not going to get into that. Karen Chalk, we already discussed. Class A does his job. Nick Wickren, you know, I, I talked to someone over the weekend who's like, you know, they like to hold on to their vets. And I, I still think, though, at the end of the day, I don't care what money infusion they get, this front office 
Well, it's a weird front office in a way, because even as they've cut their means all the time, they've protected the catcher position, you know, paying Sandy Leon a million dollars when I argue they probably could have signed him for half that. You know, the next year, he uh, he had to go to camp as a minor league invitee. But with Whitgren costing about $2 million, Blake Parker costing about $2.5 million, Shaw's only $1 million. Uh, I, I don't think Whitgren, as an arbitration eligible, he's going to be in for a raise. Like, no one, almost, it's impossible to just stay where you are in arbitration. Almost everyone gets a minor increase. I don't think they're going to be wanting to pay him. I think he is a very real candidate to be uh, not offered arbitration and granted his free agency. It's just been, you know, like, again, he is one of those guys I've talked about many times on the show. Like, I, I've really enjoyed Whitgren. He was amazing for about three years for the Indians. But all the advanced data said, like, this guy shouldn't work. You know, not just the baseball savant, like, spin rate data, but just, like, things like his FIP and everything else. He's a player who overcame, you know, he's, he has limitations. But he also just, he's... He puts himself in situations and manages to get his way out. And he's managed to be extremely effective as a reliever. But this now makes, you know, last year was, I want to say, a little up and down for him. And it just isn't working for him this year. This It's part of the bullpen collapse, right? Like Karen Chalk's regression, uh, Shaw coming back to earth, Whitgren never really got it going, in all fairness. It's not like he came back down to earth or something. He just never had it going. And, you know, he enters the situation, and yes, it's the extra inning rules. And there's a lot that occurred there in that final frame. But that was just one... It's an ugly loss. Your pitcher pitches well. You're facing a tough team. You chase their starter, Chaminet, who's been very good. Uh, gets chased in the first three innings. And then the Indians just can't manage to do anything else for the rest of this one. It, it's a game you should win. And between the bullpen... the you know, bullpen not even between it's just bullpen but because their bullpen came in and shut the indians down they did their job the indians bullpen couldn't preserve this lead and that's why the indians lose uh, their bullpen good our bullpen bad very basic thing for this one you know a lot of players reach base twice i'm not going to sit there and, and dive into the some of my normal specifics because that would require me not looking at the road and looking at data instead of extemporaneously talking. And I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I knew some of the, the basic numbers off the top of my head with what happened with McKenzie. Uh, I reviewed that before I got in the car so I could pull his because they were important. For everything else, it's just, it's the frustration that they, it is a game that should be won. I guess it, it is it not frustration. Yeah, I'll kind of come back to the question I asked the last time I got to record, which is, do you want this Indians team to win? Or do you just figure, hey, higher draft pick. Let, let's get a top 10 pick for the first time since they drafted Clint Frazier all those many moons ago. We're going to take a quick commercial break, which I'm recording, as you can tell, at home by the change here. And we're going to talk about some fantastic sponsors. We're going to start with rockauto.com. I mentioned my story before. Changing a filter on your car is cheap, and you save yourself a ton of money. Uh, I know when we got quoted, it was going to be 70 bucks for that. You just buy it online, put it in. So even if you are not a do-it-yourselfer, you can still be a do-it-yourselfer and take advantage of 30, 50, even 100% uh, more in terms of savings on a piece. You know, they mentioned that 
chain store on a Honda Odyssey pump is 353 here it's 216 when you go to Rock Auto, also pay attention because they have a whole section for rebates and deals so you can save even more money over with our friends at rockauto.com. And remember that when you go to rockauto.com in the little how'd you hear about us box, locked on, locked on MLB, locked on any, in some form of locked on, so they know their advertising money is well spent. You owe it to yourself. It's a great tool for you to make sure you are getting a good deal on the parts for your car. And even if you're like me and you can't fix your car, you're not a buy a spark plug and put it in type, you can always save money by changing your filters, your windshield wipers, and the like. Go check it out at rockauto.com. We all need to eat more seafood. That's just a fact. Uh, seafood is just about the perfect protein. It's right up there with eggs. And nothing is going to be better than wild-caught, sustainably sourced seafood. Uh, as ocean temperatures rise and there's all sorts of issues in the oceans, you want to get your seafood that's responsible. You want to get it from a company that's doing responsible things. And sustainably sourced wild-caught seafood from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest, and specifically from wild Alaskan, is the place you want to go. They deliver high-quality, sustainably-caught seafood right to your door. You can choose salmon, whitefish, or a combination every month, and you're getting premium wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer a 100% get satisfaction back guarantee. Go get some fish, especially good uh, you know, fish you can feel good about eating that is going to be good for your body. So you want to go right now. You can get 15% off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskan.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskan.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. Your body will thank me. So we're back. Let's talk about these games. Story of this one is unfortunately bullpen, right? Everyone was bad bullpen-wise. You have Brian Shaw, who gets a blown save. You have Nick Sandlin, who trying to remember if he even recorded an out and then of course after he gets taken out it's a shoulder issue so we'll see what happens with him injury issues are always a little bit of a concern he was a high usage guy in college Uh, he missed significant time the last two years due to injuries this game so uh, Sandlin's injury history you know he the year that Karen Chalk broke out they were the top two relief arms Sandlin was the second round pick who I want to say in his draft year got all the way up to double a the next year he pitched maybe into July it might have just been into June and then he got shut down for the year Uh, he did not look great last year at the alternate site Uh, there was reports that everything was down across the board and that led me to kind of dropping his valuation a bit now he's been solid in the big leagues he's been a good performer for the Cleveland Indians at the same time uh, there is that injury history he is a guy who's had a lot of use and uh, there's always going to be that concern. So I, I worry any time a guy is uh, taken out, struggles. Uh, so I, I am now at my arrived destination, so I can tell you exactly Sandlin's line. Uh, yeah, he didn't get an out. Two hits, three runs, a home run, and a hit batter. It's just absolutely disastrous for him to go out there and it basically let everybody he faced reach base. And now again... Uh, I did not watch this game because I had no power, but I, I did kind of the box score scouting. I did some of the uh, watching bits later once power uh, resumed for me. But Mercado, or not Mercado, Mercado did have a stolen base, as did Jimenez, but Harold Ramirez was sliding into second when he got caught stealing, and I believe that is when he hurt his knee. Uh, he was he had one hit in this one. Uh, Straw came in, played center field. I, I don't love that they're not playing Straw every day, but... 
Straw came in and reach base twice. Uh, Mercado reach base twice. And I believe that was it. The Indians did manage to get five walks in this one, which is a nice improvement. The problem was they had just four hits. They got three runs on those four hits, but Oakland managed to get nine hits. They also had three walks. We mentioned that hit batter. Uh, they did have one error. Cleveland had none. Another game that the you know they should have won. Uh, again, that Quantrell performance. Six innings, three hits, three walks, five strikeouts, two earned runs. Not his strongest, but still. I mean, anytime your starter goes six innings and gives up two runs, are you going to be unhappy? I mean, that's that's a high standard to set. I might have been unhappy at points with a Bieber line like that, just with, you know, when he was making a case to be the best pitcher in baseball. But where he is now uh, for Quantrell, I mean, that's, that's still a brilliant outing. This is a game he should have won. This is a game that... His bullpen let him down, and the bullpen letting this team down has been the story for almost a month now. They are just consistently not good. We caught up uh, Francisco Perez. I feel like he hasn't even pitched yet. Uh, it's time to start figuring some things out. Uh, for all the veteran pieces in that bullpen, and there are a lot of veteran pieces and players, uh, Sandlin's a rookie, but outside of Sandlin... Uh, you know, I've talked about Kyle Nelson, uh, who's, I believe, been hurt. He's barely pitched this year since he got sent down. So it's not necessarily calling up Nelson, but, I mean, Garza's looked okay. Like, let's let him stay up here. Let's see what Perez can do. Uh, they, they need to start Henches and um, J.C. Mejia. Move them into pen rolls now. Uh, this bullpen, I mean, heading into next year... There's a good chance they bring back Shaw. Let's just be honest. No matter what happens, there's a good chance they bring back Shaw. You're going to have Class A. You're going to have Karen Shock. Uh, we assume. I mean, Gars is going to be up there. Remember, Mejia and Henches are out of options. So they need to do something with those two. Because you can't send them down anymore. And if you're going to keep them in Cleveland, then they, they need to have a defined role. And it's not starter. We've seen that this year. You can't go into next year thinking either of them is a starter for this team. So what do you do? I think you you start using these guys more. Uh, this season is not a season about making the postseason. You know, they had the great series against Detroit. They beat the Reds. They got themselves back up. And then they're in danger. Uh, last time I checked, before I left, they were getting on the today, the Thursday game. They're getting beat pretty badly. They're going to get swept by Oakland. It's a situation that behooves them to... Uh, to let the young kids play and see what they have. Let's take a quick commercial break and talk about one of our fantastic sponsors. In this case, it is Bet Online. Bet Online has been our sponsor for a long time now. Let's go over and see what they think about the Indians' upcoming weekend series. Remember, they have. It's not just lines. It's not just sports gambling. Anything you can imagine, you will find over at BetOnline.ag. Promo code is locked on to get a 50% bonus. Uh, as I go down through here, they've not put a line in yet for the Indians Tigers with Zach Plesak facing Tyler Alexander. The over-under is 9.5. Uh, both of those are currently at a negative, and the betting lines are currently favoring uh, Cleveland in this matchup. If you agree, disagree, go over to Bet Online today. Remember to use that promo code locked on. You want to get your 50% bonus. Who doesn't want extra money, of course? Bet online. It's more than just sports lines. 
anything you can imagine, you can find it there. So I actually had a bit that I had recorded in the car, but I'm going to kind of chop it out here and just do this myself because it'll be a little bit quicker, all things considered. For the third segment, I was thinking, A, let's talk about some of the injury stuff. Wanted to point out the fact that we mentioned Harold Ramirez got hurt and that we mentioned uh, Nick Sandlin got hurt with Sandlin's injury. They called up Alex Young, first player born in Cleveland to pitch since I believe Dave Malicki. Now, he did not grow up in Cleveland. I know people brought up Brian Anderson, who was kind of a local kid who played in Cleveland briefly. But the last one born in Cleveland I found was Dave Malicki uh, and Bill Wirtz. Part of those, if you, you know, I'm 40 years old. I remember hearing those names, talked to Jeff Mutis and Chad OJ and Albie Lopez. Those were supposed to be the uh, the set of arms that were going to help this team in the 90s. Maliki carved out a nice career. You can go look that up. Uh, better than I expected when I went and dug into the numbers. But talking about this third segment is what I want to see for this team going forward. Uh, speaking of that injury to Harold Ramirez, I assume we'll see Bobby Bradley soon at first base. And that is one of those things I would like to see. I assume that uh, we have not had a corresponding move because we'll see Bobby Bradley activated and then see Harold Ramirez maybe going on the DL. But I want to see what Bobby Bradley can do. They need to make a decision, honestly. It's either got to be they think there's enough there or there isn't. Uh, I don't think they're going to designate him for assignment. I don't think he's at risk. The Friday show, I'll go into the list. I sat there and I sat I sat down and I made a list of the Rule 5 guys. I know Zach Meisel has been all over this as well, over on The Athletic. But like on his list, there were people I feel like you have to protect that he didn't mention. So we'll see. Uh, agreement, disagreement. But I made yes and maybes, and then guys you'd at least have to, you know, players of note, players that are interesting. But I, I want to see Bobby Bradley play the year at first. Second base, I either want Ahmed Rosario at second or in the outfield. It, he is not a good defender. The one issue I have of DeMarlo so far is just because Rosario has played shortstop most this year doesn't mean he should stay there. He is a bad defender at short. He is not good. Why hurt your team just to follow a status quo? It's not his position. Either let him play second and see if he can handle that position or get him some time in the outfield. Honestly, again, what I would like to see this team do, I'd like to see him and as at second and Rosario getting some time in the outfield. Uh, if I do that, you might be saying, well, then who do you want at short? Well, the person I want at short is Arias. Uh, he has performed so well. I see people tell me he's not ready. It's like, what else does he have to do? This kid has been one of the top performers in AAA. He's one of the youngest players in AAA. Uh, let him come up and play. I, I don't understand anyone who thinks he's not ready. If you want to make a case Nolan Jones isn't ready, I could see it. Speaking of Nolan Jones... Uh, knee injury I was hearing. We'll see if we can get more information in the game from Wednesday night. Yeah, he's had his ups and downs, but I still think th there are too many people who are jumping off Nolan Jones to jump on players who are performing well in uh, low A. And my message is go and look what Jones did in the lower minors. He did very similar, if not better than some players that you might be a big fan of now. And don't there's such a huge difference. A player who's performing well but still has some holes in their game in AAA is is a much safer bet. Uh, there's too much of the bright, shiny look at something new. And if you don't think... To me, I, I think Jones is a top three prospect in the Indian system. I have a clear top three. It is controversial because George Valera is my fourth. But I'm going to go with the guys in the upper minors who are performing well. That's just the way I look at it. And speaking of guys who are in the top three prospects, Ty Freeman, uh, we talked about with Caleb. We should also mention this, that he, he's got labrum surgery. Uh, you know, the injury was reported to be a labrum. He is having surgery. He is shut down for the year. Labrums are tricky. I'd rather have like an elbow or an arm issue than a labrum injury. 
know, I can remember when uh, Michael Brantley was in double A with his shoulder issues. Some, some of that was due to his labrum. And let me tell you, he was not happy to be doing interviews in double A. But still, you could just see the frustration he had where they couldn't figure out what was wrong and they couldn't get it cleaned up and they couldn't get it fixed. And, uh, you know, you can look at Mark Matthias and Tyler Krieger and there's other players. Sometimes a labrum just seems to become an injury that a player is never quite the same. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Freeman, but I'm just saying that is an injury that scares me maybe more than anything else that a hitter can go through. You can end up being fine. I mean, we talked about Jose Ramirez and his handmate. Now, it's not a labrum, but still, it's an injury that's supposed to zap power. It didn't affect him at all. Maybe Tyler Freeman will have no issues at all, but a labrum is, for my money, that's the scariest injury to a middle infielder. That is not what I want to see on someone. Uh, It just affects so much of that game. Uh, so I did want to quickly, I know everyone, oh, it'll be fine. I'll be ready for spring training. We'll see. Like, I'm not saying, I mean, he'll be ready for spring training. I don't know if he's going to be at quite the same level. So we'll have to see with that. But my digression occurred here because, you know, what else do I want to see at this team? I mentioned I want Arias at shortstop. Uh, Jose Ramirez at third base. Catcher, let's just see hedges at this point in time. Let's see if maybe there's something there. There isn't a great young option. Lavastida, you're not jumping, who's barely been double-A up. Uh, Outfield-wise, personally, I'd rather see Straw in center field every day, Rosario, and then let's see if Daniel Johnson's got it or not. Like, he is a candidate you consider taking off roster. You know, Zimmer's your fourth outfielder with this team. Uh, I, like I said, they need to, to make some moves, figure some things out, and I'd rather see what Johnson can do. Like, I, there's so many of us who are believers he was almost universally a top 10 prospect. Great reports, great athletic tools. Uh, he's had a weird few years, but let's let's see what he can do. That's what I would like to see with this team. That, And then uh, if everyone's healthy, which hopefully everyone will get healthy and it'll be fine, I'd like to see a six-man six rotation. Uh, you have the big three, the Bieber-Savali Plesak grouping, and you know we'll talk Eli Morgan on Friday's show. I know he had a rough start against Oakland, but Morgan, Quantrell, and McKenzie. Uh, you want to? I want to get as many reps as possible. I want to see all of those guys, and this is where I kind of bemoan the change to the forty-man rule because September call-ups would occur, and I know we're far away from that. <laughs> okay, so I'm a teacher. I want to be far away from that, <laughs> even though I know it's closer than I think. But uh, you know, I wish it was like thirty-two or thirty-three because you know one of those two call-ups is going to be a third catcher. The Indians always call up a third catcher, and then after that. You know, maybe one more arm. There's a chance we don't see Daniel Johnson the rest of the year. That could happen. Uh, It's not ideal in my opinion, but could it happen? Absolutely. Uh, They, you know, they have some tough decisions to make. I believe they're sitting at 40 out of 40 on their 40 man right now. But remember, they're going to have to activate Savali. They're going to have to activate Plesak. Not Plesak, Bieber. They're going to have to, when the year ends, they're going to have to add Josh Naylor to the 40 man because there's no disabled list in the offseason. They've got some moves to do. They've got some things to figure out. Uh, and as a, a fan of this team right now, 2021 doesn't matter. They're not going anywhere. 2022 is going to be a hard year because it's a good chance that it's the last year of Jose Ramirez in Cleveland. Uh, Rosario could also be on the move sometime in 2022, maybe even beforehand. But this team now needs to build for 2022 and 2023 which means figuring out what guys can do, putting them in their roles that they are going to be. J.C. Mejia and Sam Henches are going to be relievers next year. They have no options left. They're either going to stick or they're going to be designated for assignment at the end of spring training or at some point earlier in the year. So let's have them as relievers. Let's move them 100% to those roles. 
And you're like, well, what do you do for starters? You can call someone up. If you have to have Brad Peacock start a few games because you want to get Henches and Mejia in that role, you can make it happen. There are players you can remove from the 40-man. There are ways to make it work. Uh, you know, If you move on from Blake Parker, move on from Blake Parker. Blake Parker is not part of 2022 in Cleveland. He, he shouldn't be. He's unlikely to be. Put Mejia in that role. Let's see if he can handle it. Let's start getting him reps there. Let's put Henches in that role. Let's start getting him reps there. 2021 is done. There are some games. Those games need to be used to evaluate players and talent. Getting those players and talent prepared for the roles they are likely to assume in 2022. This is not a playoff team. It's time to use this time to do what they have refused to do. I mean, they've been good. It's hard to argue with them and say, well, they never gave young players a chance. I mean, it's something I've harped on and it's bothered me. But there's only been one year that they haven't made the postseason recently. Uh, now they've ran out a lot of truly terrible vets, so I didn't give young players uh, a chance, which is my biggest complaint. But they, they have not had a year like this one. They have not just been able to throw it all in and be like, okay, this is not a postseason team. Last time that happened was probably when they drafted Nolan Jones and Will Benson, uh, you know, all those many moons ago. It's what, six years since they drafted them? Like 2015, was that the last time this team was not a contender? So now that they're in this unfamiliar role, it's it's time to play the kids. It's time to get them used to what you expect them to do, what you think they will be next year, and get players in those roles. Again, I wish it ex- at least expanded to 32, 33, so you can get more young players up. But as of now, you need to figure out. I mean, is Yu Chen Cheng, is this the end of the line for him in Cleveland? Do you feel comfortable that it, he is not the answer that you're going to move on? Then limit his reps. If you think that... You're not bringing back a Nick Whitgren. Limit his reps. You know, give the reps to the young guys. Let's see what they have. Uh, it's it's overdue. It's time to figure things out because 2021 is done. It's dead. 2022 is what they should be building for. I want to thank you all for listening to this mix of car and home show. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Needs Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It really helps. For the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.